It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast with mock draft superstar, Evan Silva. Evan, can't wait to talk to you about that. Check him out on Twitter, at Evan Silva. He is the man from Roto World who had the best mock draft of anybody in the galaxy. We are presented by BetOnline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for the Fantasy Feast podcast because they've got the best odds and the fastest payouts. Use the code BIGFEAST for that 50% welcome bonus, which is oh so nice. I am Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman that, let's be honest, I, I got with the right guy. I got with Evan Silva for the Fantasy Feast podcast and have never looked back because I think he's the best in the biz. I think he's the best at the game. Puts the time in. Um, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter and Instagram. Facebook is facebook.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Of course, always, 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 you can just email me over at RossTucker.com if you would like as well. You can also always ask Evan a question by taking advantage of any of our sponsors and sending me an email, Ross at RossTucker.com, whether that's Big Feast at BetOnline.ag or get the draft app on your phone or just go to draft.com. Either way, use the code Ross so that you get a free entry with your first deposit. Free entries, we like that. Free entries equals free money. So get the free entry because you got to put a deposit in anyway. Just use the code Ross when you do that. And as a reminder, if you take advantage of Ross at Draft or Big Feast at BetOnline.ag, forward it to me, I will read and respond to whatever question you have. I will read it. Evan will respond to whatever question you have right here on the Fantasy Feast Eaten podcast. So, Evan, before we get to your winners and losers from the draft, before I ask you an email question, because I've had we got a couple of people that have wanted to ask you email questions. Dude, congratulations. I mean, best me- best mock draft in the galaxy? It's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are a few different contests that um, websites run to uh, gauge the accuracy of mock drafts, and some of them use different scoring systems. I mean, I placed really high in all of them. The one that I've always, the longest running and the one that I've always participated is the huddlereport.com. And that's always, you know, I've always used it to gauge like who's actually good at mocking the draft. And um, because, you know, they've been doing it for almost 10 years, actually, I think like uh, 10 or 15 years. And so you can see over time, they keep track of who's been good over time, who's been good over the last five years, certainly who had you know, the best mock draft the, the year before. I always wanted to do really well. I've always been real kind of mediocre, but this year I, I, I kind of crushed it. Um, over the last five years, I had their third highest mock draft accuracy score. Um, and uh, I, I don't know, I just I just got lucky, but it was, it was it was fun for sure. Absolutely incredible. It's not lucky. I, I loved your logic on 
Mayock and Lombardi. It was it was awesome, yeah. man. I'm really really happy for you with Sony Michelle. That worked out. Um, it's awesome, man. I mean, it's like I said two minutes ago. It's why it's why you're my co-host. Before, dude, we keep forgetting to get to any of these emails, and we've got people that have taken advantage of some of our sponsors and emails. So I, I got to get at least one in the day before I forget. Um, it comes from Trace in Maple Ridge, British Columbia, Canada. He's got a keeper keeper question for you. Full point PPR. 12-team league snake draft can keep two players forever. He has picks 36 and 37 after his keeper selections. Um, He's got Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Keenan Allen, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon. So three stud receivers, two young running backs. All right. Antonio Brown, A.J. Green, Joe Mixon, Dalvin, Dalvin Cook, Cook, and Keenan Allen. I think you keep Antonio Brown and Keenan Allen. I mean, I think that, you know, Mixon is kind of tempting, but wasn't great as a rookie. You still got Giovanni Bernard there to, uh, you know, to, to siphon some passing game work. They drafted Mark Walton, a uh, surprising pick. But, I mean, he, you know, if Giovanni Bernard goes down, I think that Mark Walton can fill in for his role. Uh, so I think that that kind of limits Joe Mixon's recep- receptions upside. Um, and then I love Dalvin Cook, but you know, he's coming off the ACL and uh, not necessarily a lock to get goal line carries over Latavius Murray. You know, I, I, th- I think that we try to look at these things from a, in a long-term lens. And Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon are much younger than Antonio Brown, but you know, I'm not giving up the best wide receiver that, that you know, I've seen since I was really young and watched Jerry Rice. And Keenan Allen is still super, super young, and he's Phillip Rivers' go-to receiver. Uh, he had some bad injury luck earlier in his career. He had, like, a lacerated kidney, uh, broken collarbone. You know, he, and for that, he was deemed to be injury-prone. That wasn't really fair to Keenan Allen. Uh, so I think you keep this two stud receivers – uh, and you, you let the other guys go. It's it's not an easy decision. I mean, you have a lot of talent on the team. That's a good thing. Uh, but I think that you, you go with A.B. and Keenan Allen. Let's get to your winners and losers because that, you know, has some impact on some of these things that we're talking about as well. Some of them are very obvious and we don't need to spend much time on. Others, um, maybe a little bit more time. So let's start with some of your winners, like at running back. Obviously, Rashad Penny in the first round out of nowhere for the Seahawks, although our buddy Elliot Christ last week said he liked Rashad Penny as a 50-to-1 shot to be the second running back off the board. Yeah, by the way, that show was awesome. I mean, I bet all that stuff and uh, almost doubled uh, what, what I spent. Uh, so that was, that, that was a great show. Uh, so, you know, hopefully people listen to that and we're able to profit. That was an unbelievable call by, uh, Elliot Christ. He's excellent. Um, I, I would encourage everyone to follow him at Elliot Christ on Twitter. Um, he's a rising star in this industry and hopefully we'll be able to have him on again. Rashad Penny went much, much higher, uh, than I think anybody anticipated. We've talked a lot on the show about how draft capital 
and what the team, you know, the teams are showing us what they think of players. Rashad Penny goes number 27 overall after the draft. The Seahawks said they even considered taking him at 18. They were able to trade down, still get their guy. They think that he can be a three down back, a true feature back. Uh, he did have some ups and downs in pass protection in college, um, and he uh, only caught 19 passes uh, in his senior season, which was his biggest season. So he's, he does have some proving to do, and they do have guys like C.J. Proceis and J.D. McKissick on the roster, and Chris Carson can certainly play in the passing game as well. Uh, but Rashad Penny, I mean, he looks like he's got a chance to get 300 touches right away. Is everything perfect in Seattle? Is the offensive line perfect? No. Uh, but they're going to score points. I mean, they've got Russell Wilson, and if he's getting touches, he's going to be extremely valuable. He could have easily, I thought, before the draft, gone in the second or third round. That's where I expected him to go, maybe late second. But him going late in the first, that really boosts his value short and long term. Christian McCaffrey in Carolina. Panthers just added no one at running back. And, look, maybe they'll add a free agent. Maybe they'll add a DeMarco Murray. But right now, you know, if you were to run statistical projections uh, for the Panthers, which I've done, you know, he comes out with with a ton of work. And last year he led uh, all NFL running backs in targets. uh, And, you know, he averaged almost 24 carries per game in his final two seasons at Stanford. So he has demonstrated workhorse ability. And uh, right now they're talking up Cameron Artis Payne, and we've seen his act before, uh, to be their sort of quote-unquote big back. I think that Christian McCaffrey was a huge winner. He went from like uh, RB13 or RB14 in my pre-draft rankings to uh, RB8 or RB9. Uh, he jumped a full tier, one of the biggest veteran winners after the draft. Derek Carr in Oakland, you like the uh, Martavis Bryant and some O-linemen, huh? Yes, yes. Added some diversity to their pass catcher core. I mean, on paper, their their skill positions are pretty good. Derek Carr, Marshawn Lynch got better as last season progressed. He was their best player on offense in the second half of the season. Uh, at wide receiver, you're going to have Amari Cooper, Martavis Bryant, Jordy Nelson in the slot, which I think suits him best at, at this stage of his career. And then uh, Jared Cook, you know, never a touchdown scorer, not a red zone tight end. Uh, but definitely a seam stretcher and had a pretty good year for them quietly last season. They've got some explosive potential in the pass catcher core. Derek Carr, um, as a, a guy who people were taking as like a top eight fantasy quarterback last year, now goes in the quarterback to 15 to quarterback 20 range. One of my favorite quarterbacks to target uh, as a bounce back really late in drafts. Melvin Gordon with the Chargers. I thought that the Chargers were going to draft uh, running back earlier than they did. They talked about how they wanted to do it, just kind of didn't, you know, play out that way. They, they, I, they were like a, a by the board drafting team. I think they stuck to their board. You know, they got they stole Derwin James at number seventeen, uh, and they they stuck to their board. They wound up getting Justin Jackson, who our, our buddy um, Eric Olson talked up, and I think is a legit prospect out of Northwestern. Um, and I think that he, he will compete with Austin Eckler, but Melvin Gordon came out of this thing safe. He is a top-nine fantasy running back, again, heading into 2018. What about uh, Jarek McKinnon in San Francisco? Same deal. I thought that we might see the 49ers add a running back. 
they did not. So it's Jarek McKinnon. They see him as their Devontae Freeman. And then competing for the Tevin Coleman role, Matt Breida, uh, who uh, essentially filled that role last year as an undrafted rookie and should be better in his second season. He'll be competing with last year's fourth-round pick, who did not play as a rookie, Joe Williams. And uh, Jeremy McNichols, uh, who they picked up, was drafted last year by the Bucks, And um, Jeffrey Wilson, uh, undrafted free agent. Uh, so that they, these will be camp battles to monitor, but Jarek McKinnon is the guy who's locked in. Lamar Miller? Again, Texans didn't draft anybody at running back, you know. So Lamar Miller survives again uh, before the draft. The Houston Chronicle uh, suggested that Dante Foreman, coming off his Achilles tear, uh, could begin this season on reserve PUP. They did re-sign Alfred Blue to a one-year $880,000 contract. You know, not much guaranteed there. Uh, so Lamar Miller again enters the season as the Texans' clear feature back. Uh, I mean, I don't, there's not like, you know, some guy that they can get off the street right now to take his job necessarily. When Deshaun Watson was playing quarterback for the Texans last year, Lamar Miller was much better. We know that uh, dual-threat quarterbacks can boost the rushing efficiency of their offense. They, they look like a team that should score a lot of points. And, you know, although we've kind of soured on Lamar Miller, uh, he hasn't been super effective in the workhorse role for the Texans. Uh, he's going to be getting touches in a, a potentially high-scoring offense. That's going to make him very relevant and a potential steal in fantasy drafts. A guy that before the draft was going in the eighth and ninth rounds, uh, I think that he theoretically belongs in the third or fourth at this point. Uh, and but hopefully we can still get him in like the sixth or seventh. Fran and I talked about this on the College Draft Podcast. It's amazing how many running backs went before Darius Geis, and we'll see if whatever his issues are, if they rear their ugly head. One of those guys was Ronald Jones. Yeah, yeah, this was, this was, that was a surprise. You know, Ronald Jones going in the top 40 ahead of Darius Geis, I think it was a major surprise. We talked about uh, Ronald Jones before the draft, straight-line speedster, Really no pass-catching ability. Uh, didn't catch passes in high school or in uh, college. Uh, so those are concerns. But this is another offense that has a chance to take a real step. Jameis Winston, um, you know, they, they added uh, on the offensive line, uh, the, the uh, Ryan Jensen at center paid him a lot of money to shore up that position. Uh, at wide receiver, this will be Deshaun Jackson's second year. Mike Evans is due for a bounce back. Cameron Brait, O.J. Howard, Chris Godwin. You know, they should be able to score points this year. Ronald Jones right now is a favorite for feature back duty in Tampa Bay. He'll be competing with Peyton Barber, um, and that that will be a camp battle to monitor. They're very different styles of of running backs. Peyton Barber, the classic inside uh, grinder. Ronald Jones, uh, long long speed guy. I thought he reminded me a lot of Tevin Coleman. Uh, not quite as good, but that style of player coming out of college. Yeah, I thought that was uh, – man, some of these teams, I wish they would have taken Darius Geis. But anyway, how about how about with the Pittsburgh Steelers, Juju Smith-Schuster and Vance McDonald make your list of winners? Yeah, we're just pulling out Martavis Bryant. So that frees up 15% of the Steelers' targets from last year. 
Um, James Washington, they did draft him in the second round, and he can he could very easily be a factor as a rookie. But we also don't know if he's going to be ready. Um, so I think that the arrow continues to point up on Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, before the draft, I thought he was being a little overdrafted in drafts, but I think that he was, act, you know, in hindsight now, after they traded Martavis Bryant, I think that where he was being drafted uh, suits him. Uh, and Vance McDonald, you know, not necessarily a guy that we're going to rely on week to week uh, as an every week fantasy starter at tight end, but definitely a guy uh, who now is like a tight end two in best ball leagues and also a guy that we will be streaming uh, during the season. And if one of their, their other guys gets hurt, whether it be Antonio Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, James Washington, you know, Vance McDonald would see or Le'Veon Bell. Vance McDonald would see a bump in targets. So uh, he was another winner from the draft. They want to involve him more th- this year. He struggled with a knee injury for much of last season. Uh, but they want to use him. They they value his ability uh, to get down the field. He can run. What about DJ Moore? I thought he was the best wide receiver in the draft. Love the way that dude plays. Steve Smith called him his spirit animal. And Steve Smith doesn't like anybody, especially not receivers. <laughs> and he, he very much liked DJ Moore, who goes to Carolina, where it seems like there's a lot of opportunity for him. Yeah, yeah. I, this was this was a very good uh, landing spot for DJ Moore. Um, you know, I think that Olson is the clear one there in terms of Greg Olson in terms of like projected targets. But then it's it's pretty. And but he, you know, he's older and he's coming off that that Jones fracture, which oftentimes, you know, whether it be in basketball or in football, players that suffer that injury have further foot problems down the road. I certainly hope that he does not. I've been drafting him a ton in best ball drafts early because I think he's been undervalued. People have been taking him too late, and I will continue to draft him after the draft. Uh, But that's something to to keep in mind. And Devin Funchess had good moments last year, uh, but, you know, I I don't think it should shock anyone if DJ Moore steps right in and gets more targets than Devin Funchess in year one. Uh, so, you know, the NFL, they they drafted D.J. Moore as the wide receiver one overall in this draft. He was also, you mentioned he was your wide receiver one. He was also my favorite receiver in this draft. He has a chance to get over 100 targets right away. He's going to play a high percentage position. He's going to play inside. He's going to run higher percentage routes than Devin Funchess. Uh, and he has a chance to, to be a fantasy factor immediately in Carolina. What about your guy, Sony Michelle? I, I'm still surprised they did that. I, I thought for sure, Evan, that they would take a front seven guy on defense. To, to get Michelle, when you already have Burkhead, James White, Gillisley, Jeremy Hill, I mean, it seems like you got two bangers, and, you know, short yards, goal line guys. You got two guys out of the backfield. I, I mean, that, that was they must love him. They must really love him. Yeah, I mean, I think he's going to fill the Deion Lewis role. I think they're just going to end up cutting Mike Gillsley and Jeremy Hill. I mean, assuming that everybody makes it through the offseason healthy, you know, they're going to have, and I actually have Mike Gillsley and Jeremy Hill in the losers, so we can just bang this out right now. But I think the, their three are going to be Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, and James White, and then Brandon Bolden never goes away because he's so good on special teams. I mean, how many running backs are you going to carry? That's four 
right there. I mean, maybe they'll carry five. We'll see. But, uh, you know, that teams don't usually carry five. So I think Sony Michelle steps right into the Dion Lewis role. I'm not, I'm not sure that he's going to get goal line carries. Rex Burkhead was really good in that role. Rex Burkhead is also better than him in the passing game. Um, Sony Michelle only had nine catches his final year at Georgia. But just landing in the high-octane offense, I think, was a good landing spot for Sony Michelle on paper. He's going to be drafted, I think, pretty highly, the highest that we've seen a Patriots running back drafted in recent years. Uh, one thing to note, he had the second-highest fumble rate among all running backs in this draft class. That's credit to Dane Brugler, who does a great job covering the draft, uh, his research. Um, so that is something to keep an eye on. The Patriots despise fumbles. You know, it's whether it's Mike Gilsley last year or, you know, Stephen Ridley, um, you know, running backs is Lawrence Maroney. Running backs disappear at times if they have fumbling issues. Sonny Michelle did get better uh, over the course of his career in terms of fumble rate. And, I mean, they have one of the best running backs coaches in the league in Ivan Fears. So I think that they, they'll they probably be able to figure it out. But I think it's just something to, to know. I'd rather know that than not know that. Absolutely love that you even know, like, the Patriots running backs coach. That's why, as usual, Evan, taking it next level. Ivan is very good, by the way. How about um, some quarterbacks? Let's go with Matt Ryan. Yeah, I mean, they rounded out their three-receiver core with Calvin Ridley. I think that he will play uh, mostly outside, although I think he can also win from the slot. But I think he'll play mostly outside right away, opposite Julio with Mohamed Sanu in the slot and Austin Hooper at tight end entering his third season. Um, Austin Hooper has not made a breakthrough yet, but tight ends tend to be a little bit slower. I think that this offense can get back to being more explosive. Uh, I think that Calvin Ridley actually was a loser in this draft. I think this is a better real life than um, fantasy situation for Calvin Ridley. But for Matt Ryan, he's become one of my favorite quarterbacks to draft uh, because of how late you can get him. Uh, And I think that he's going to bounce back. Uh, And um, so far, my highest owned quarterbacks in best ball drafts have been Matt Ryan, Marcus Mariota, and Matthew Stafford. Well, and how about Eli Manning? I mean, they gave him a star running back, they gave him a star O-lineman, and they didn't take a quarterback till the fourth round. Exactly. So, and I mean, I still only have Eli Manning as my quarterback 27 right now coming out of the draft. I am worried that the Giants are just not going to be very good. Uh, Warren Sharp noted that they have the toughest schedule in the NFL uh, or you know, projected toughest schedule in weeks one through seven. So I'm worried that they get off to a slow start, and then they, you know, we start to hear calls for Kyle Oletta or Davis Webb. Um, but you know, that's that's just thinking very glass half full at the bottom, uh, you know, range of potential outcomes for Eli Manning. At the end of the day, he's got a lot of weapons around him, and they're really trying to set him up for success. Uh, and so. He's now a guy that I'm at least willing to draft. Before the draft, you know, I thought that there there was still a decent chance that they could take a quarterback, so I wouldn't even take Eli Manning at all. But now uh, he has probable job security, uh, and he's got a lot of weapons around him. I mean, Odell Beckham, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram in his second year, Saquon Barkley. 
they need to get the ball out of his hands quickly. If you remember in 2016, Pat Shermer designed the Vikings offense to account for like some of the worst offensive line play that we've ever seen. And how they did that, they got the ball out of out of Sam Bradford's hands quickly. He set an, the NFL record for completion rate in 2016. I think that, you know, Pat Shermer, having done that um, and designed an offense like that, I think that that bodes well. Even though when, when we look at the offensive line, I think it's still a question mark. I think that, you know, Nate Soldier was an upgrade. Uh, Will Hernandez should be an upgrade at left guard. He's still a rookie. Uh, center, Brett Jones. Um you know, on, and on the right side is up, like entirely up for grabs. Um, so I think, that, but I, I think that you know, again, Eli Manning now is a guy that I'm at least willing to draft. How about Ryan Tannehill? You willing to draft him? You got him as a winner. Yeah, um, you know, I he's uh, that's exactly I would characterize it very similarly to Eli Manning. How you know the Dolphins just did not take a quarterback. Uh, they're, I mean, they've got Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills, um, Albert Wilson, Danny Amendola, and they drafted Mike Jasicki out of Penn State. So they've got some, some pieces in the pass catcher core. It's just going to be a matter of Ryan Tannehill staying healthy. But for where he's going to be going in drafts, like around quarterback 23 to quarterback 27, you know, he's definitely a guy that I'm now willing to take in best ball leagues to be my, court, my second quarterback or my third quarterback. Um, I got a couple more quarterbacks here. How about Blake Bortles and Case Keenum? Yeah, uh, similar concepts. You know, the Jaguars passed on Lamar Jackson and Mason Rudolph. They added DJ Shark. Blake Bortles has job security. Case Keenum, the Broncos had a chance to take Josh Allen and Josh Rosen. They passed on both at number five, took Bradley Chubb. Case Keenum has job security with only Paxton Lynch and Chad Kelly behind him. The Broncos also added uh, two wide receivers, Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton, behind Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas. So they have some depth uh, in the in the wide receiver core. Again, these were guys that I was very hesitant to draft before the draft, but now that we know that they have job security, very willing to draft them. Rashard Matthews and, and Taewon Taylor down in Tennessee? Yeah, we mentioned them as winners after free agency. They won again. In the draft, the Titans only drafted four players because uh, they were trading up. I mean, I think they got some studs, Rayshon Evans out of Alabama and uh, Harold Landry out of Boston College. But because they made those trades up, they, they forfeited picks. So they were unable to come out of the draft with a wide receiver. We're going to have uh, Corey Davis as the X receiver, uh, Rashard Matthews as the Z, Taewon Taylor as the slot receiver, Delaney Walker. All those guys look really locked in right now um and Richard Matthews again we, we I liked him before the draft and love him even more now and Taewon Taylor at the end of the draft is now a guy that we need to start seriously considering um especially when we're drafting you know in best ball leagues like six seven eight wide receivers uh he can absolutely be our seventh or eighth wide receiver big playability reminded me a lot of Emmanuel Sanders when he was coming out of school uh last offseason Let's get to a couple running backs that found themselves in pretty good spots, Evan. That's Carrion Johnson. The Lions really want to run the ball. They traded up to get Carrion Johnson. 
And Royce Freeman in Denver, Elway said he wanted a banger. They cut C.J. Anderson, and I guess Royce Freeman's their banger. Royce Freeman, I think, is a, 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 a fairly legitimate winner. Um, he was a top 75 pick in the draft. Immediately after the draft, the Broncos were saying that they want to use him as their early down back, Devontae Booker, on passing downs. So it already sounds like they, they want him to be their starter. Um, so I think that he came out of this as a winner because I think that he easily could have gone to a team where he was just a clear backup like John Kelly did you know, out of Tennessee. He went to the Rams. Um, but the Broncos valued him higher than that, and I think that's a good sign for him. Now, carry on Johnson, you know, you can look at this a couple of different ways because they traded up for him, and he's clearly – and he went – top 45 which i did not expect him to go that early he went ahead of darius geis he's one of these rbs that went ahead of darius geis but he also goes to a situation where they've got Legarrette blunt and theoretic and theoretics i don't think he's going to go away on passing downs and i don't think that Legarrette blunt you know they signed him like uh, you know for a role so it's like how is carry on johnson going to score fantasy points so I think that you can look at it a couple of different ways. I think that he may end up getting overdrafted. Uh, we'll see how, how it turns out. We'll, I'm sure he'll be talking about him a lot over the course of the offseason. I just have never been able to t- take a uh, you know really put a lot of stock into these Lions running backs because they like to use a rotation. And theoretic in particular, takes away so much of their, um, of their passing game work and their fantasy value as a result. You mentioned him earlier uh, talking about Tannehill, but how about Mike Gesicki from Penn State? He should just be able to jump right in, you know, and look, he's got deficiencies as a blocker, et cetera. He's an incredible athlete, and he's going to jump right into that Julius Thomas role. We know that rookie tight ends tend to struggle. Uh, they did do better last year. Those That was a great class, of course, um, but – I think that just the fact that he landed on a team where he is going to be able to immediately jump in, that is good for him. Uh, Previously, their number one tight end was Marquise Gray, and I don't think that Mike Jasicki is going to have any problem playing ahead of Marquise Gray. What about Jordan Akins? Yeah, 26-year-old former baseball player, Texans made him a top 100 pick. He's a tight end. He used to play wide receiver. He's a great, great athlete. Of course, he's a two-sport athlete, but he's, you know, a great measurable athlete as well. C.J. Fedorowicz retired, and the Texans' tight end depth chart is pretty much wide open. You know, it's Ryan Griffin, Steven Anderson, and now jumps in this top 100 pick who has a chance to attach himself to Deshaun Watson and is a great athlete. That's pretty enticing, and Jordan Aikens wasn't even a guy entering the draft that I was sure that was going to be drafted, you know, considering his age and um, how he was, uh, you know, he's, he's played different sports. Um, but I think that, you know, he's not necessarily going to be a factor right away, but he's a name to keep in mind, Jordan Aikens. Last winner, uh, this is unbelievable to me, Michael Gallup, the receiver that, the Cowboys took. Obviously, they're hurting at receiver. Jerry Jones has already said he'll have a week one role. It's just amazing to me. I mean, that has to drive coaches crazy 
when they want to get up in front of the team and talk about earning it and your playing time. And Jerry Jones says, oh, he'll have a week one role. It's unbelievable. Coach, Coach Jarrah? Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that it's a very similar situation to Cooper Cup. Last, last offseason, we talked about how he had a chance to lead the Rams in targets right away. He did. I think that Michael Gallup could. His competition is going to be Terrence Williams coming off foot surgery. Uh, Alan Hearns, who got cut by the Jaguars. Cole Beasley, who hasn't really been good in, in a while. Uh, and I thought that he actually might get cut, but you know they, they need wide receivers there. They traded Ryan Switzer. I mean, I think that Michael Gallup can step right in as their lead receiver. Uh, his game is kind of like um, it, it looks like it should translate immediately. You know, he's kind of like a Rashard Matthews, Robert Woods type of player. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, he's a good route runner. I think that he is, is going to get on the field early. And if Coach Jarrah says that he's going to get on the field early, you can you can kind of tank that to the bank. I think we're going to see him out there in week one, potentially as a starter. Let's get to your losers. You've already kind of hit on some of them, but we can start with Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson, and I'm guessing that's just primarily because the Browns took Nick Chubb high in the second round. Yeah, so roles are very nebulous in the backfield. You know, the the Browns, I thought it was a strange pick. You know, I I think they could have afforded to uh, draft like Harold Landry at um, at that 35th pick especially after they passed on Bradley Chubb. I think that coming back to get Harold Landry at 35 would have been just outstanding to put him uh, across from um, uh, Miles Garrett and move uh, Emmanuel Agba inside on passing downs. But they, you know, they did not, and they took another running back. And, uh, you know, even after making Carlos Hyde one of the 10 highest paid running backs in the league. uh, So now we have Duke Johnson, Carlos Hyde, and Nick Chubb. And, I mean, we're just going to kind of throw our hands up because it's, you know, maybe someone will get hurt and then it will be uh, clearer. But right now it's just roles are entirely up for grabs. And so that, you know, takes Carlos Hyde from say the Browns had not done this and they had taken Harold Landry at uh, number uh, 35. Uh, Carlos Hyde would have been like a fourth or fifth round fantasy pick. And now you can't really even take him until the eighth or ninth round. Keeping it rolling with some of the draft losers, we'll get to um, Samaje Pirine, who he's got Darius Geis coming. Yeah, yeah. Darius Geis is going to be the, the, the feature back immediately. He's going to lose playing time to Chris Thompson uh, on passing downs. But uh, Samaje Pirine, it's just it's kind of over for him at this point. He's going to need Darius Geis to get hurt to jump back in as a factor. I mean, he's going to be on the team. So we, and, you know, we, we should monitor his progress. He's only, this will only be his second year. Um, he, he was up and down as a rookie, had some good moments, uh, didn't finish particularly strong. A lot, a lot of that did have to do with the fact that the Redskins lost like their entire offensive line for the last six weeks of the season. Uh, but he, he didn't show enough for the Redskins to avoid drafting running backs. Uh, and they got a great one in Darius Geis, who to me was the second most talented back in the class behind Saquon Barkley. Calvin Ridley in Atlanta, just a bad spot just in terms of the opportunity there, right? Yeah, right. The Falcons last year were third or uh, 24th in a uh, number of three receiver sets utilized. I think that their, their percentage will go up. I mean, they just used 
you know, first round pick on a third receiver, and they lost Levine uh, Toilolo, who uh, was soaking up a lot of their two tight end snaps last year. So I think that they will use more three receiver sets, but you know, playing the same offense as a target monster in Julio, a red zone monster in uh, Muhammad Sanu, backs that can catch it in in Freeman and Coleman. Uh, and Austin Hooper, I think, has, has, still has a chance to ascend. Great foot, I, I, very good, I think, uh, real-life draft pick for the Falcons. Bad fantasy landing spot, at least in the short term. Flacco, pretty obvious. I mean, they did get him a tight end, um, but, you know, did he get Lamar Jackson? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it's like, you know, if they struggle on offense – in September, are we going to see Lamar Jackson in October? You know, it's, and, you know, I was taking a little bit of Flacco in best ball drafts before the draft. And now I don't want any part of him. You know, he's like, he switched places with Ryan Tannehill and Eli Manning uh, and Case Keenum, you know? So I wish I would have been taking those guys. I, maybe he'll make it through the season. Maybe Lamar Jackson just isn't ready. Uh, but Rich Rebar, by the way, I don't think we've ever even had on the show. We need to have him on the show. He writes for Roto World, one of the best football and fantasy analysts that there is. Uh, he wrote a column about veterans that were impacted by the draft. Over the last 10 years, the average number of starts for a first-round quarterback is 11. Over the last 10 years, 20 of 27 first-round quarterbacks have made eight or more starts. That's 74%. Um, I think that you know, Lamar Jackson, obviously he was the last pick in the first round and his odds are not as high as all of those first round quarterbacks of accomplishing those, um, you know, making eight plus starts. But it's just, you know, Joe Flacco has kind of struggled to move the offense for a lot of years. And what if he and if he if that happens again in September, I think that we could see Lamar Jackson play and that, you know, especially in a best ball league where you can't make pickups during the season. It's like, I don't want quarterbacks that might get benched. I I do not want any part of that. I will let other people draft those guys. Uh, Curtis Samuel in Carolina, that's pretty obvious with DJ Moore coming to town. Yeah, there have been kind of whispers that his recovery, too, could be uh, more lengthy than, than we anticipate. You know, he could be a reserve PUP candidate. He broke his leg last year. It looked like a gruesome injury at the time. Panthers have since added Torrey Smith, Jarius Wright, and then used their first-round pick on D.J. Moore. So it's looking bleak for Curtis Samuel at the moment. Cortland Sutton in Denver? Yeah, you know, if he would have gone to, like, Dallas and potentially been their number one, uh, I think that we could have considered him a winner. But he did not go there. He went to Denver, where he's going to play in three receiver sets. I think it'll be Demarius Thomas and Cortland Sutton on the outside with uh, Emmanuel Sanders getting more slot work. I think that Emmanuel Sanders actually, you could consider him a winner. Um, I think that, you know, that was a position that Case Keenum really targeted heavily last year with Adam Thielen. Uh, And I love Emmanuel Sanders in the slot. I don't, I think he's really, really tough to cover in there. That's where the Steelers used to use him. And he's been excellent in the slot in Denver. Uh, But Cortland Sutton, just not going to get many balls. I don't think as a rookie. Basically, all of the Seahawks running backs, Procise, Carson, Mike Davis, J.D. McKissick, you get them all in here because they just got Rashad pennied. 
Exactly, and that's pretty much all we need to know. I mean, we, we should remember that Chris Carson looked really, really good last preseason and early in the year, and he was just right on the verge of breaking out before he broke his leg. Um, that was a painful injury to watch. Um, but, uh, you know, look, we're keeping him in mind. Rashad Penny is coming out of San Diego State, unproven, especially in the passing game. Uh, so we want to know the names, but – you know, Chris Carson, who, if the Seahawks had not drafted Rashad Penny, we'd be talking about him as, woo, you know, sixth, seventh round pick, you know. But now, I mean, he's pretty much undraftable and a guy that uh, is going to open the season on fantasy football waiver wires. One tight end went in the first round, Hayden Hurst to the Ravens, which is not good for Max Williams and Nick Boyle. Yeah, and then they came back and took Mark Andrews in the third round. Uh, out of Oklahoma. So it's not looking good for Max Williams and Nick Boyle at all. You know, they're, they're, they're just names at this point at the bottom of the depth chart. Tyrod Taylor would have been better off if they took like Josh Allen or someone that yeah. wasn't supposed to be as ready to play. I would absolutely agree with that. I would even say maybe Sam Darnold um, would have been better than Baker Mayfield. I think that you know, it's just a matter of time before Baker Mayfield gets on the field. He, you know, spent five years in college. He's 23 years old. Sam Darnold's only 20, uh, was only a starter for two years. So Baker Mayfield theoretically should be more uh, prepared. Uh, we can talk about, you know, the offenses that they played in, et cetera. But I think the Browns saw him as a potentially uh, a guy that could be ready early. The Browns have a tough schedule this season. And if they're not winning games, the pressure is going to mount every single week for them to put in the number one overall pick. Uh, Tyrod Taylor was a guy that I thought was intriguing as a best ball pick before the draft, and I still may take him, but only as a quarterback three. I mean, you can't lean on him to be your second quarterback. And really, these other guys, Sam Bradford, Josh McCown, A.J. McCarron, all ultimately go in the same category, correct? Exactly. Sam Bradford paired up with Josh Rosen. You know, only a matter of time before we see Josh Rosen. Josh McCown paired up with Sam Darnold. Only a matter of time before we see Sam Darnold. I still think that McCown, we can maybe get uh, you know eight, nine, ten starts out of him. Uh, we'll, we'll see about that. And then AJ McCarron. You know, Josh Allen doesn't seem ready. Maybe they'll maybe they'll stick it out with McCarron for a while. But you know, having that having that quarterback there is just. Again, it's, it's just such a matter of time before these guys get on the field. Um, finally, Evan, I, I see you keep firing up the, uh, the best ball drafts over at Draft or on the Draft app. Make sure everybody remembers that they can use code ROSS for a free entry with a deposit. So it's like free money. It's a chance to go against people like Evan. So, again, use the code ROSS, whether you already have the Draft app on your phone or you go to draft.com or whatever. Evan, you are amazing, my friend. Never cease to amaze me. Cannot wait to start to go head-to-head with you in some of these best ball drafts. Should be an absolute blast. By the way, whoever uh, takes advantage of any of our sponsors over at RossTucker.com on the sponsor page, including the Amazon banner ad, we're giving away an MFL entry every week. Today, D.A. Doggin, he sent me like three or four Amazon purchases. 
saying, I want the MFL 10, Ross. Give me the MFL 10. Well, DA Doggin, you got it, man. Congratulations. And that can be you guys next week. All you have to do is take advantage of any of the sponsors, like I said, or just draft or betonline.ag using the code BIGFEAST. Other than that, totally stuffed. If you want more in-depth breakdown of this draft stuff, definitely listen to the College Draft Show with Fran Duffy. And if you want to hear how the books took a bath on the draft prop bets, we've got Dave Mason from Bet Online with myself and Steve Fezzik from pregame on today's Even Money podcast as well. So you're going to want to listen to that. Other than that, I'm totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.